The following audio is from City Rev Church. For more information about City Rev Church, visit us online at cityrev.org. You can join us live Saturday nights at 6 p.m., Sunday mornings at 9, 10.30, or 12, or you can join us online at cityrev.org. Well, so glad to see you here today, City Rev. Uh, Those of you joining us online, so glad that you have joined us today. And uh, we are going to do things a little bit differently today. In just a moment, we're going to enter into our uh, Bible study time. And then um, as we're entering into this new year, um, we are kind of setting aside today as just a time of prayer. And so after our Bible study time, we're going to take some time to pray and worship. And so we're going to continue in worship, and we're going to do that in um, just a few moments. But before we jump into our time of Bible study, just um, one thing I want to ask that you would do. Can everyone just take a second um, and take out your cell phones? Can you take out your cell phone? There's a tool that I want to uh, make sure that you are aware of, that you are alerted to. So go ahead and take out your uh, cell phone. And then if you would... Just take a second, and if you have not already downloaded the City Rev app, um, go ahead and take a second, if you would, and, and go to your app store and download the City Rev app. Um, the reason for that is there's a tool on there that I want to make sure you are aware of. And if this is your church home, if City Rev is your church home, then I want to definitely encourage you. This is one of the primary ways that we communicate back and forth is through our app. It's one of the ways that we resource our church. So if City Rev is your church home, take a second, download that. If you're our guest and you're like, well, I'm not sure that this is my home, um, that's still a great idea for you uh, to find out a little bit more about our church um, is through that app. So just take a second. We're going to talk about a tool on there in uh, just a few moments. So if you would do that, just just take a second and do that. Um, And while you are downloading that app, I want to show you a quick video um, about one of those tools on the app that we're going to be talking through. So just take a second and check out this video. There's a practice that if you were to implement in your life on a consistent basis, it could have the power and potential to completely transform your life. At CityRev, we're passionate about helping people engage with the Bible daily. We call it a word habit. And Bible reading, engaging with scripture, it's really about creating space in your day for God to speak to you. We believe that the Bible is God's word and he intends to transform us by his word. And so how do you engage with word habit? Well, here's what you need to start. First, you're gonna need a Bible. And so you might have a paper Bible around or maybe you use a tablet or your phone with an app but you're gonna need a Bible, and then you're gonna want to have a journal as well. See, because we don't just wanna read uh, there in the Bible, we want to digest it and meditate on it. And so having a journal, a place where you can write things down is so helpful. Next thing you're gonna need is a pen or a place to take notes uh, right there digitally on your tablet. So on our City Rev app, we have a feature where you can follow along with our reading plan. One of the challenges people have when it comes to studying the Bible is not really knowing where to start. Or sometimes we can get into the trap of just kind of daily wandering to different places, ping-ponging between different books and parts of the Bible, and it can be really confusing. And so we've created a plan that helps you work through books of the Bible. So be sure, if you don't have it already, download the City Rev Church app, follow along with our reading plan, and here's a little bonus tip. Right there in our app, you can go to the settings section, and then press notifications and turn on word habit notifications. What this will do is give you encouragements, weekly updates, so that you can stay on track and stay with us as we journey through the Bible. 
And so on the bottom right-hand corner of our City Rev Church app, you can go ahead and click the Reading Plan tab. And right there, you'll be able to follow along with the rest of our church as we navigate through the scriptures. Now, the tool that we've found to be most helpful as we study the Bible is what we call the SOAP method. S stands for scripture, O stands for observation, A for application, and P for prayer. The SOAP method is a guide that helps you walk through a passage of the Bible, dissect it, understand what it means, and then apply it to your life. And so first, you're going to read through the scripture. So you'll spend time reading that chapter, kind of get an understanding for what's happening, maybe put the whole scene, if it's a narrative, in your own words, or get a sense of what it's describing. And then you're going to pick one verse. Try and just dial it down to, maybe it's the verse that jumped out at you. And then what you're going to do is you're going to spend some time doing some observation. So O is for observation. You're going to take time and really meditate on that one verse. You look at that verse and ask questions like, what is this saying? What does this teach me about God? What does this say about my life? Is there a command here that God is giving me? Is there a promise he's saying? And you spend time observing. Then you're going to jump to A, application. You're going to ask the question, okay, if this is true, If God says this is who he is, or if God is making this promise, if that's what I've observed, then what does that mean for how I live? And so as you're going through it, you're journaling, writing your observations down, writing your application down, and then in that A section, it's really important that you kind of drill it down to, what is this saying for me today? How is this gonna influence the way I approach my day? Is there something I have to do in light of what this just said? Then P is for prayer. You're ending your time responding with what God has taught you in His Word. And so you might write there a journal, write down a prayer in response to what you've read. We believe that establishing this habit as a pattern of your relationship with God, this practice can change your entire life. And so we'd love for you to join us as we grow with God and develop a word habit. Well, hopefully that was helpful for you as you're thinking through um, some of the tools available in our app. You might have said, look, I was watching that, I was tracking, but that was still a lot of information. All of that and that entire video is right there actually in the app on the homepage. If you go to uh, Word Habit, right there on the homepage of the app, you can access that entire video and all of that information. Wanted you to be equipped with that as we enter in to uh, the new year. So um, let's take some time and open up the scripture and study it together. Let's enter into this Bible study time with a word of prayer. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I ask that you would just speak into our hearts today. And as we've set aside this time as a church community, we've set aside this time to hear from your word and to hear from your scripture. And so I ask, Lord, would you speak out of this text and transform our hearts? You know where each one of us needs to hear this, Lord. So I ask that you would speak to us. We lift this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we have entered into a brand new year, 2021, I have been thoughtful about one particular movie scene. There's this one scene in one movie that has jumped into my mind, and I have been thinking about it. And um, this movie scene is, I'm not going to show it, it's a little intense, but I'm going to tell you about this scene, but it is from um, one of the Lord of the Rings movies. It's the third movie in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, anyone, any other Lord of the Rings fans in here? Let me just see, show of hands. Um, okay, there's a few of us. Some of you are sitting there like, nah, I just don't get into like wizards and elves and strange things like that. I just don't get into that. And it, look, if that is your opinion, you're dumb, okay? And I just want you to know, 
No, I'm just kidding. You're not dumb. That's fine. Um, if you don't get into that, um, hopefully you'll, you'll give it a try. Anyway, I actually love those movies, and they're great books. And there's this one scene in the third movie. Um, I love the way it's depicted in that movie. It's a little bit different in the book, but it's a great uh, scene in the movie. And basically what's happening is very intense. There's this city, and the, there's this siege against the city. There's this army that is, that is moved in and camped all the way around the city. They have shut the gates and um, they have all hidden far up in the city and all the soldiers are just inside the gates waiting for this army. And the way it works is the army on the outside, the best way to describe it is it's just like all monsters, okay? It's like orcs and goblins and trolls and things like this. And it's they're super scary and terrifying. And um, all the soldiers are waiting. And because it's this whole group of monsters, they really have no idea what is actually trying to break down the walls and break through the gates. And so they, they bring up this, this army that's sieging the city. They bring up this huge battering ram. And all they hear on the inside of the city, despite all the, the scary war chants and all the, the, the hooping and howling outside, they just hear this giant thud of this huge battering ram against the uh, the gate and and every thud of the battering ram you just see just terror coming over their faces, just fear in their eyes of what is about to happen. And as it just keeps pounding on this gate, all of a sudden this this huge wooden gate starts to splinter. And right through the gate comes the front of the battering ram, just kind of splitting through the, the, the gate. And they've designed these enemy, this enemy army has designed the front of the battering ram to be terrorizing in and of itself. They've put this, this giant monstrous face on the front and then lit it on fire to hopefully light the gate on fire so that as, as it crashes through the gate, all they see is they're waiting on the inside, this really scary face just kind of crashing through it. And as they're all like, they're just all just feeling just this fear come over them. You just see the terror in their eyes. One of the main characters, a guy named Gandalf, is sitting on his steed, Shadowfax. And he calls out to all of the soldiers to try and strengthen their courage. And there's this line that is, I've just always remembered from this scene. And he shouts to everyone behind the gate. He says, no matter what comes through this gate, you are soldiers and you will stand your ground. And with that, the battering ram comes back through the gate. It kind of explodes into splinters. And all of these monsters basically come pouring into the gate. The battle ensues. And um, in the end, they're able to defend their city, but not before a battle breaks out. And so I've been thoughtful of that scene because um, as we've just finished 2020 and moving into a, a brand new, fresh year... I don't know about you, but I'm entering this year a little different than last year. Um, maybe one word for it is a little more humbled. Last year, I had, um, I had my plans and my thoughts of what were going to happen. I think we probably all did to varying degrees. But this year, kind of my, my feeling and my thought and, and really just my hope for us as a church community is no matter what comes through the gate this year, no matter what happens, no matter what 
this year holds, and really, I mean, nobody really knows. No matter what comes through the gate this year, that we would be able to stand firm. Now, the, the Bible speaks a lot about um, standing firm and what that looks like. And here's what it says about standing firm. It says that there is a solid rock that we stand on. It's the person of Jesus. It talks about standing firm in the gospel. That's the story of Jesus. It talks about standing firm on his truth and his word, and that's the whole Bible and all that it says about Jesus and how that applies to our lives. And so as we're talking about standing our ground and standing firm and having a solid foundation, I want to, um, I, I want to show you a passage that I think is going to equip us so that no matter what comes through the gate this year, we can say as a church community, we stood firm and we were ready. And so I want you to open your Bible to... Um, Psalm 119. If you have a Bible or Bible app, um, for those of you watching online, take a second, grab maybe your phone or your Bible and open to Psalm 119. It is a long psalm, the longest chapter in the entire Bible. It's also almost at the exact center of the Bible. And um, we are going to look at just one section starting in verse 97. We're going to look at 97 through 104. And I think as we read through it, we're going to see how this is a very timely word for us in this moment. Psalm 119, let's just start with just the first verse here, 90, verse 97. Here's what it says. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Now, let's just kind of frame up what this section is about. And actually, this is what the entire psalm is about. It's what the, um, which is interesting that it's almost the exact center of the Bible and it's the longest chapter that in God's uh, planning, the longest chapter, the center of the Bible would be about this particular subject. Here's what he says. I love your law. Now let's, it's very important that we know uh, what he means when he says law. When he says law, is he talking about the local laws, the national laws? Is it more abstract, just kind of the laws of nature? What does he mean when he says law? Okay, the Bible is broken down into different sections and different types of literature. And the first part of the Bible, the first five books, sometimes called Torah, sometimes called the Pentateuch, the first five books are referred to as the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And so a lot of times in the Bible, if you hear it referred to the law, it's talking about God's laws that Moses received on Mount Sinai, which is much of what those first five books records. It's about, it's God's truths, his laws on how he wants his people, ancient Israel, to live. And at this point in the scripture, it's important to understand how do we then apply passages that reference the law. Because as Psalms, the book of Psalms is being written... This is the only part of scripture that they have written down, recorded as scripture. The other parts are being written or are going to be written, like Psalms. So when he references the law in parts of the Psalms, he's referring to all they have is scripture. So as we're reading it and we have all of scripture, in places like the Psalms, we can apply it and interpret it and understand it by substituting other things in there um, like your word, your scripture, or the Bible. Does this make sense so far? 
All they have so far is the law. So we have the whole scripture. So what he's about to say about the law now applies to us as the whole scripture. So he says, oh, how I love your law. Oh, how I love your scripture. Oh, how I love your word. Oh, how I love the Bible. He says, I meditate on it all the day. Now we have some concept of meditation. We talk about meditation in our culture. Typically in our culture, in our society, when we talk about meditation, we're importing Far Eastern meditation. When typically we talk about meditation, we're talking about things that we've taken from the Far East, religions like Buddhism and some of those religions. And Far Eastern meditation is the practice of clearing out your mind. It is removing everything from your mind and depending on which religion, it could be for the purposes of um, centering yourself or uh, finding a deeper truth or getting to some other transcendent level, but the practice is emptying your mind and especially putting out the things that are anxiety producing and stressful. But biblical meditation is exactly the opposite. Biblical meditation is actually not emptying your mind, it's Filling your mind intentionally. What he's saying is he's filling his mind with the scripture. That's what he's doing. He's filling it up. Which I personally think is much more effective in pushing out anxious thoughts. When you fill your mind rather than trying to empty your mind. So let's, let me just demonstrate that for you. Let's just do a little exercise. Okay, you ready? Can you, can you do it? It's middle of the day. You got this. It's right before lunch. Hopefully you had some coffee before you came. Okay, we're going to do a mental exercise. All right. I want you to empty your mind. I want you to think about absolutely nothing. And especially do not think about circus clowns. Now, most of you, probably at least for a second, had a circus clown come dancing through your mind, okay? Some of you who are just sitting there concentrating, like, nope, didn't have it. I'm, I'm there. I'm like mentally superior, okay? Um, but if you did effectively not think about a circus clown, it's probably because you found something else to think about instead. See how our minds work? Our minds are like vacuums. So our minds are busy. They're constantly filling their minds with. And what scripture says is instead of try to, don't just try to not think about things. Don't just try and clear your mind of things. No, scriptural meditation is actually be intentional about what you're filling your mind and kind of use what you're filling your mind to push out the things you don't want to think about. You follow me so far? Okay. Now one last thing before we move on. Here's what he says. He says, I love the Bible. And through this psalm, he has said that at least a dozen times. Now let's just read this for a second like as normal, regular human beings. Most of us would probably say, I mean, I like the Bible, okay? I mean, it's got some interesting things, okay? It's got some boring things, all right? It's got some strange things, but I like the Bible. Some of you would say, like, I like the Bible like I like brushing my teeth, okay? Like, I know it's good for me. I should probably have it in my life, okay? Like, I don't want my life to rot. I, I, you know, I like the Bible. But I want you to think about the things that you just love. 
You probably have something in your life that you just, I mean, this activity, you just, I mean, you feel alive. Like some of you, you just, you love it. Like some of you, it's like uh, you just love golfing. You read golfing websites, you listen to golfing podcasts, you watch golfing YouTube videos, okay? You love golfing. And you're, you're like, look, I love getting up early and early tea time, okay? And as I just look out over the fairway, just perfectly manicured and the green, and just the nature is, is just coming alive and waking up and just a crisp morning. And then, you know, as the club head just skims over the grass and just the sound of, of a well-connected shot as it just lofts out and gently lands in the fairway. Like some of you say, like, if I can have that moment, like that is like, I feel that's a great moment right there. I love golf. Some of you say that. Some of you say, like, I love running. Like, I just love going for a run. For example, my wife, Rebecca, she loves to go for a run. She likes to put, you know, she gets her sneakers on. She stretches out. She puts in, you know, her headphones. She gets something to listen to. She goes running. She comes back. And I can tell she's energized. She's unwound, like, you know, anything that was going on in her mind. She comes back. She's, like, kind of full of energy. And I'm like, you know, okay, how far did you go? She's like, ah, I ran, like, five miles. And I'm thinking to myself, if I ran five miles... I would be angry, okay? I'd be mad. I would just be hating things. I just don't know what I would just hate, okay? I'd need medical attention, okay, like that. That's not what I love. I don't love to run. We all have things that we just love. You say like, oh, I just, I love that. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, it's not just like, I should like the Bible. It's not that, like, I have parts of the Bible I like. He says, he just pours out over and over, God, I love your word. I just, I love it. So, like, let's just confront that. Okay, buddy, like, why? Like, what are you so worked out about? Why do you love the Bible so much? Here's what he says. Let's pick it up in verse 98. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. Now, I want you to zero in here because I think this is when it might start to alert you why this is such an important passage for for us. He says what the, the scripture does for him, and he references three different groups of people. He references his enemies, he references his teachers, those he gets instruction for, from, those he learns from, and he, and he says the aged, or another translation would be the elders. So in other words, the authorities on whatever, or the experts. And here's what he says with those three groups. He says, I have more understanding now, is he like beating his chest? He's like, look, I'm just super smart. No, no, no. This is not about him. It's about the capacity of what the scripture can do. It's about the power of what can happen if the Bible is unleashed in someone's life. 
What he says is because I meditate on this, because I, 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 I run to it, but because it's always with me, because I try and follow it, because I think about it, because I, I, I meditate on it, I roll it over in my mind, I chew on it, because I think about it, because I, I, I fill my mind with it. It's meditation. He's like, I don't just read it and put it away. No, I read it and then I ask questions about it and I wrestle with it and I think about it, I journal about it and I, I write something down to think about it. I come back to it later. I study in deeper. I'm meditating on it. I'm thinking, I'm filling my mind with it. And he says, because he is doing that, then his frame of reference for truth is the scripture. And so now that is where he's now analyzing all of the swirling voices around him. In other words, there are all these swirling opinions of reality around him. There's his teachers. Those he reads every new article they come out with. He listens to every new podcast they release. He's subscribed to their YouTube channel, so he gets lost, you know, for like a couple hours down the rabbit hole of their opinions. He never misses their broadcast. He never misses, misses their TV show or the radio show. He never misses. They're his teachers. But what he says is the scripture has now given him the capacity to actually say, look, I'm not just going to adopt what they say. I'm actually going to analyze it with the truth of scripture. He says, I also have the swirling opinions of my enemies. Those who I feel like stand for exactly the opposite of what I stand for, or believe exactly the opposite of what I believe, or, or are advocating for exactly the opposite of what I'm advocating for. But what I've done, he says, is because I've anchored to truth, he says, I am actually then am going to say, no, no, this is my truth, this is the truth I believe in, it's the scripture, so I'm actually going to hold them and, and analyze what they say based on the scripture. The scripture has given him the capacity a higher level of wisdom and understanding that he's holding his teachers and his enemies and the authorities and experts. He says, my true authority, my true expert is the scripture. And so all the swirling opinions of the experts out there that are saying, oh, well, this is true. No, then the another expert says, no, the exact opposite. No, this is true. He says, I'm actually taking a step back. And because I have, I have put the scripture, the Bible, the word of God in my mind, I'm taking a step back and I'm analyzing all of those swirling opinions and voices claiming to be true. Does that possibly sound relevant for 2021? Look what he says. He says in verse 101, I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than a honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. That's the end of that section of Psalm 119. And it ends on a pretty strong note, doesn't it? He says, um, the scripture is my source of understanding. It's my framework. It's what I analyze. It's what I adjust to. He says, it's where I, 
my, my path. I don't depart from it. If I, I don't use the scripture, I don't abuse the scripture to just find more ammunition to go ahead and, and affirm what I believe. No, no, I look at my steps and make sure it aligns to this and then adjust my steps according to this. It's not that I have my framework and my beliefs and, and my path and, and then, well, if the Bible can also prove it too, that's great. No, I'm looking to the Bible to adjust my thinking and my steps by. This is my source of understanding. And then he says, I hate all that is false. It's like, man, I, those are really strong words. Like, you know, Rebecca and I, we tell our kids, we don't use that kind of, that, we don't use the word hate in our house, you know, we... It's not a word we use. He, he's, here's it, here it is in the scripture toward falsehood. I mean, does that even need to be said? I mean, of course, we, we love truth. We don't like things that are false. We want the truth. That's, that's what we want. Why does it need to punctuate it with such strength? It actually does need to be said. The Bible says we have itching ears There are things we want to hear. There are things we want to be true. There are narratives we want to believe in. There are opinions we want to align to. That's every human. In fact, that's even how media is set up. It's how the internet is set up. We we, um, we watch something or like something, and then that platform keeps sending. It wants to keep us on the platform, so it keeps, it logarithmically knows the types of things we like, and it keeps sending us things that we like over and over so we can stay hearing the things our ears are itching to hear. That's, that's how the world is, is actually crafted, because every human, and I'm, I'm talking about all sides of our, of our broken our brokenness and our division right now as a, as a society. All sides, there are things that we want to believe. And it's safer, it's more validating, it's more comforting if certain things are true. So I'd rather stay in those truths. Because if we really cared about what is true and we're really, really committed to weeding out falsehood, the vast majority of our society would operate differently. We would listen differently. We'd be exposed to truths differently. No, there are things we want to be true. And what we need to do is we need to be stand by truth and weed out falsehood. And the only way we can do that is to have one ultimate source of truth that we, that we hold against our teachers, our enemies, and our experts. And hold that truth above them as a wiser source of truth to analyze each one of those things. Now, I say this, and, and let me just be one of your pastors in your life. Let me just be faithful to you. Because the scripture says that the Bible is like a mirror. And it's easy for us to right now, in this moment, while we're talking about this, think of that category of our enemies and how they're holding on to the things they want to be true but we believe are false. But that's not the purpose of the Bible. The Bible is not something you point at your enemies. The Bible is something that you use as a mirror to your life. So if I'm being faithful to you, 
Can you have the courage to turn that mirror on your life and ask yourself, am I faithfully in pursuit of truth? Because there's a lot of things that it is much more convenient to believe to be true. And if we went down the uncomfortable road of questioning. Maybe it's because it's, well, this is what I've always been taught. This is what I was taught by my parents. This is what I've taught my children. This is, this is kind of what I've always been. I've always associated with. I've always thought this. And man, if I had to change course now, no, no, I can't do that. Or if I had to, this would make me too uncomfortable to even think of those thoughts. Or I'd have to completely rethink so many things. Well, the question is, do we really love truth and hate falsehood? The only way we're going to peel through those layers is hold the source of ultimate truth, the scripture, over it. Now, just time out for a second, because um, some might say, look, you, you talk about the Bible as like the main source of truth. I mean, isn't it arrogant to say, oh, I know what the truth is. I have the truth. And, and that's not just true for me. That's true for everybody. I mean, isn't it arrogant to say there's one source of truth and I know it? Yeah, absolutely. That's like the height of arrogance. It's the height of arrogance to say, I have the truth and everyone must follow my truth. That, that is arrogant. Um, the, our culture's response to that then is, okay, so then let everyone have their own truth. Mind their own business. I'll find my truth. You find your truth. I won't impose my truth on you. You don't impose your truth on me. But again, let me just graciously and faithfully say that is only slightly less arrogant because it still says that I can even come up with my own truth for myself. What I submit to you, what the scripture is saying is the only true approach of humility, which is to say, I don't know the truth. I don't even align to the truth all the time. But I am going to submit every part of my life and my mind to something else. And what I believe the truth is, is the scripture, and the scripture is what it claims to be. He says, your word, I love your law. And so, I'd say the most humble approach is not to find your own inner truth, but to actually humble yourself to another truth and let it wash over your presuppositions and your assumptions and your beliefs and your life experience and align and wrestle with it and make it shape what you believe and submit to that truth and let it transform your mind and renew your mind daily. It's actually submitting to something else. See, really what this does is it forces us to ask, what do we really believe about this right here? What do, what do we really think it is? Because um, there's some that say, yeah, it's the good book. There's a lot of good stuff in there. There's some weird stuff in there. But I like it. I mean, I like most of what it says. And so, yeah, I'll crack it open every now and then and read it and, and apply it to my, you know, when I find something that, that fits, I, I, I use it. But that's not what it claims to be. It claims to be the very words preserved by the God of the universe who created everything that wanted a source of his truth preserved for mankind. 
And so throughout history, the same one who spoke the universe into existence spoke and his servants wrote it down and he meticulously preserved it throughout history. And now he's preserved it for us to know him, then know where we stand before him and know how to walk through this life. And if that is what we believe this is, if we believe this is his word, unlike any other book, it is from God, pure truth, then there's only one logical then approach to this book. It is to build our entire lives on the knowledge and wisdom and truth of the one who invented everything. It's the only logical move. And so what I know I believe is that this is, I believe what it says it's the scripture. It's from God. It's his word. And I believe what it says, that we've got to build our lives on it. Now you can see why he says this is so valuable. In fact, let me read you some of the verses he says about how valuable this is. Earlier in Psalm 119, let me just read you some of these verses. He says, in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. He says in another verse, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. He says a little later in the same chapter, he says, therefore I love your commands above gold, above fine gold. He says, I love your word, God. I love the Bible more than all the riches that one could possess. You say, oh, there he goes again. I mean, like... Look, I like the Bible and all, but riches are pretty good too. I mean, I like how, I mean, having all the riches, I mean, that's, that's a lot. But, but think about it. You know, probably know people or know of people that have a lot of riches. And a lot of them are miserable. This offers you peace that passes understanding. This offers you joy in the midst of any circumstances. This offers you a, a solid rock to stand on. This offers you a refuge, a strong tower to run to. Could there be anything more valuable than the words from our creator to us as we're navigating this life? See, actually, the illustration he uses in this verse is, is actually not riches. The illustration he uses in this verse is he says, the word of God, he says, is like this. He says, it's like honey. I'm about to put that whole thing in my mouth right now, just looking at that. <laughs> you know, in ancient times, um, at this time in history, in um, the ancient Near East, they didn't have sugar yet. It was not known to them. They didn't have that, that sugar yet. So their only sweetener was, um, was honey, either honey from, from bees or honey from dates. That's the only kind of sweetener they had. And so I want you to think about, you know, what is he, what's he describing here? He's saying scripture. He's not saying, yeah, I, I love the Bible like I love brushing my teeth. Like it's not my favorite, but I know it's good for me. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, yeah, I, I love the scripture like, it's like broccoli, you know. <laughs> A little tough going down, but everybody needs it. You know, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. He's not talking about that. He's like, it's like candy to me. It's just, it's sweet. I just, I run to it. That's how he, that's how he describes 
what this is like. I mean, in, in, a, in an era, in a time, well, I've got honey. Sorry, I wasn't going to put up with that. It's like Winnie the Pooh. You know you've thought when Winnie the Pooh does that thing and he just, you want to do that at least once in your life, okay? So anyway. Um, scripture, he says, is like honey. It's not like, it's not, it's like candy to him. He, he just loves it. He just, he can't wait to get into it. He, here's how some of the ways in Psalm 119 he describes it. He's like, it's my delight. Multiple times he says the scripture, it's my delight. He says in places, he says, it's my, it's my refuge. He says, man, it's like when you're in a dark place and you just don't know what to do. And then I find the scripture, is a, it's a lamp right to my feet. It's a light unto my path. He says, it keeps me steady. It gives me peace. It's over and over. The scripture is where he runs. And so, church, can I, can I challenge you as we go into this new year? No matter what comes through those gates, no matter what this next year holds, could be um, a great year. Could be a bad year. Probably some kind of crazy adventure in between, like it always is. Who knows what's coming? But we're given one place where we can anchor to firm foundation. It's drawing near to our Savior through his word. So will we be people of the word this year, City Rev? Here's what I want to challenge you to do. Um, in this season, we're, we're going to um, present a challenge to you. And it's gonna, we're calling it our word habit challenge. We have a word habit reading plan because we want a habit of being in the word. And it's a word habit challenge for all who call City Rev their church home. If City Rev is not your church home, you're welcome to jump in this challenge with, with us. It's 21 days of reading the Bible and going through our reading plan. The way we do our reading plan is we have five, um, five days. We have a certain passage that we're all reading through. Then we take the weekend, Saturday and Sunday to kind of catch up if we miss anything. If you're up to speed, you can jump into another um, passage of scripture. And then we pick it up on Monday and jump back in. And we, we go through that passage. And what I want to challenge you to do is to jump in and establish a word habit these first 21 days. For the next 21 days, establish a word habit and jump in and read. And in the process... Don't just do what this guy does. Don't just read it and say, oh, okay, read the chapter, I'm done. No, meditate on it. Chew on it. Think about it. Roll it over in your mind. Use it as you're filling your mind with it. Use it to kind of push out the other things that are crowding in your mind. Push out the other voices. Push out the anxieties. Push out the anger. Push out all of the fears and the panic and fill your minds with the truths of Scripture. Because here lately, I've had more and more Christians coming to me and saying this wisely. Man, for, for years, maybe decades, I, I was, man... I just, I realized I, I would watch the news for, or read the news, or wouldn't miss a single, like, alert or update, and I'd, I'd spend, like, hours a day in the news, and I just finally just turned it off. I found so much more peace. You know, it's one thing to stay, um, you know, up to speed and in the know and aware of current events, but honestly, that doesn't really take very long. 
And so plugging our brains into a media outlet for hours at a time, and I'm, I'm speaking to all camps here, for hours at a time and calling that just keeping up with current events, it's, you don't need that much time. You know, I've had other believers say, you know, I just would listen to the same, you know, um, the same station, same podcast, same YouTube, and I just had to stop. I had to unplug, and I found so much peace. Why? Because other sources, the enemies, the teachers, and the experts, they get us coming back with fear and panic, and I can't believe, and, and hate and anger. Well, now join us the next episode. We tell this person's done this again, and this group's done this again, and I can't believe they've done this. And, and man, if we don't do this, then everything's going to happen with this. And he's filled us with all this fear and anger and panic and hate. And you know what all of that is? Well, it's not this. It keeps us coming back for more because of the bitterness it's sowing in us. Whereas the scripture is giving us the promises of God. That Jesus is on the throne and there's a sovereign plan and we can rest regardless of what our circumstances tell us. That is good news. Isn't that good news, church? That is good news. So let's be people of the word. Let's let that be what's rolling around in our minds all day. Let's let that be what we're filling our minds with. Uh, let's talk about how to do this practically. Take out your phone for a second, and I want you to open to the, the CityRev app. Can you take out your phone and just go ahead and open to the app? Um, I want you to see right there on the homepage while you're on the app, up at the top is the live stream. Those of you who are watching online or maybe if one day one, day one of you are, are traveling and can't be here one week, you can always, that's one of the ways you can get to online. You'll see the next thing. This is right on the home, sc home screen. You'll see a link to recent messages. You'll see there is a recent two-part series we did on success and pride. Pastor Justin taught on an amazing passage in the Old Testament. Um, if you did not get to hear those messages, you need to go back and listen to it. And by the way, Hearing biblical teaching like these two messages is a much better thing to fill your brain with. Um, go back and check those out. But the box underneath that says word habit. If you press that box there, word habit, it takes you to all of the information. There's a video that explains how a, a method we use to meditate on the scripture, the SOAP method. It's very simple and it's effective. Whether you've never read the Bible before in your life or you've been reading it for 70 years, this is a, it's a great method and you just go right to there, the word habit. Um, it will explain all of that. You can watch the video um, and will help you know where to go. Um, each morning when you get up or whenever you're reading the Bible, I want to direct you to, there's a button at the bottom right of the app. It says reading plan. It's one of the main buttons. Go ahead and press reading plan. It's going to open to a scripture. There's a bar on the bottom. Uh, at the left of the bar, it's where you pick the scripture. Um, to the right of that, there's a little play button. That's if, if the only thing holding you back from engaging the scripture is you're just like, I just don't have the energy to read anything. This reads to you, okay? So there, you've got that. If that's what's holding you back, it will even read to you. The next um, button next to that is a little icon of a calendar. Go ahead and press that calendar right there. And what comes up is the reading plan for the day. You'll see the day's date. You press that and it will take you right to the passage we are reading as a church. And you'll, you'll read through it. 
and then you'll, you'll walk through the SOAP method in a journal somewhere digitally or physically, walk, walk through the SOAP method. You can do all of that in about 15 minutes. 30 minutes is even better. And um, we, you can begin meditating on the word, not just reading it, but actually thinking about it, wrestling with it, asking it questions, um, applying it into your life, praying about it, meditating on the scripture and setting your mind on, on those types of things. Um, what, one last little nugget here that it says here in this, this passage uh, about how to read the Bible. I love what he says in um, verse 147. Can I just read this practical? Look at what he says. He says, I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. Just a practical word of wisdom. Um, there are some people that read the Bible consistently, you know, daily at other times of the day, but really throughout history, Christians have noticed there is one particular time of day that for the vast majority of people proves to be the best time to consistently get into the Bible. And that is the first thing in the morning. It's before all of the distractions of the day come upon you. It's where you have your, 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 you wake up. And um, you just set aside that time. And I think that there's something powerful about giving your first moments to God. It's like first fruits offering to God. And so here's what I want to challenge you. Get up a little earlier. Set your alarm 30 minutes earlier tomorrow morning. You say, well, I, I need my sleep. Go to bed a little earlier. Then get up earlier, okay? Take five minutes and set the, the, before you go to bed, set the coffee pot so when you come shuffling into the kitchen in the morning, the coffee's already ready, okay? And then sit down, and then before you scroll Instagram, before you check the news, before you look at what podcasts were released, don't do that. Fill your mind with the words of truth from the one who made everything. Fill your mind with the scripture. And meditate on it. Let's be people of the word. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. If you are going to say, yep, I'm going to be a part of the 21-day word habit challenge, what I'd ask for you to do is to share that on social media. Let's inspire each other. And especially as you do that, you may have a friend like, oh, I'm doing it too. Did you read, you know, Mark chapter 5 today? What would you get out of it? And we can, it helps us do that as a community. So if you're willing to, you can on your social media, you say, hey, I'm doing the word habit challenge. And you can just write hashtag word habit. You can put hashtag city rev church. That way we can do this together as a community and we can draw strength for each other uh, along the way. Because no matter what comes through the gate this year, we want to stand firm. And stand firm on the truth that he's given us. You know, the most sweetest thing that the scripture says, the, the most sweetest thing, and it's actually what the whole message of the Bible ultimately comes down to, the sweetest thing. As we're facing a, a brand new year, last year's behind us, the sweetest thing the scripture says is that the mercies of God are new every morning. That means your past, it's gone. The seasons that were the old you, they're gone. That means your mistakes in the past you're embarrassed of, they're gone. That means the sin struggles, that means the bad habits, they're gone. You're brand new. He's making you into something new. You say, how does he do that? 
by the power of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross to pay for your sins and wash you clean. The power of your Savior that the whole Bible is about, the message of the gospel, is he came to die on the cross to wash away your sins and make you new. And so maybe for you, that, that is the main message of the scripture that you need to encounter today. That salvation is not something you earn or work for or try to achieve. It's something that Jesus accomplished for you and is offering you as a free gift. So maybe the best way to enter into this new season, receive salvation. That's the only way. Would you take a second and just bow your head and, and close your eyes with me? Because I believe there's some of you watching online or some of you sitting right here today that that's the step you need to take. You need to put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so can you just take this quiet moment and ask yourself that? Have I, have I put my faith in Jesus? Am I willing to receive that gift right now? It's offered you for free. Would you receive it? If that's you, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer today. And um, if that's you, just repeat these words in your heart to God after me. Just a simple prayer to God. In your heart, say, God, thank you for saving me. I believe all my, my mistakes, all my sins, all my past is washed away by the power of Jesus. I believe Jesus died for my sins and I believe he rose again from the dead and I believe that makes me brand new and your mercies are new every morning thank you Jesus you're my savior and I follow you in your name we pray amen Hey, if that was your prayer just then, I want you to go to cityrev.org faith. If you're watching online, you can just click it right there. I want you to go to cityrev.org faith. If you're sitting here uh, in the room, you can go on your phone right now to cityrev.org faith. When you go there, it's going to ask you some information because if you're watching online, we'd love to send you a Bible. Um, and we'd love to just follow up and celebrate with you. If you're here and you put your faith in Jesus, you can go right out in the parking lot is our guest services. We'd love to give you a Bible today. So you can walk out of here with God's word today. Just go there and say, hey, um, uh, can I have a Bible? And go right there at the end of the service. And especially if that was your, your, your prayer just now to put your faith in Jesus, stop by at guest services on your way out. Let them know we want to celebrate with you. Church, we're going to um, enter into a time of prayer as we're in a new year. We want to go into this with uh, prayerfulness. And so we're going to enter into a time of prayer together and worship. And um, we're mindful of the, the verse in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, that says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. And that's our prayer. So let's enter into a time of prayer together. I'm going to invite Rebecca to come up here with me, and, and we're going to pray together as um, a church. And so 
Um, let's humble ourselves before God. Would you just take a second and just get into a posture of prayerfulness? Maybe you want to bow your heads and just hold your hands up like this. Maybe you want to get down on your knees and pray in prayer for our land. Maybe you want to even, some of you might even want to come up down here, just kind of spread out down front here if you want to, and just um, praying and praying for God's healing over our land and our city. Let's, let's be faithful before him as a people of God and ask for him to move. All right, church, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you and we know we get to approach the throne room with confidence because of what your son Jesus has yes. done for us on the cross. Where we come with a reverence and a humility before who we stand, but then also a boldness and a confidence because we know that we wear Jesus' righteousness and we do not stand on our own. And so, Lord, because we have access to the throne room, Father, we appeal to you. We appeal to you that this might be a year of your favor, Lord. It is every year because you have the redemptive power to turn anything into good. But, Father, we just claim 2021, Lord, may this be another year of your favor, Lord God. The type of favor that takes beauty from ashes and that brings praise out of those moments of despair. God, the type of favor that works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed, that repairs city walls in the wake of destruction, Lord. God, one that would grant us peace that comes from an immovable confidence through knowing your son, Jesus, Lord. God, we petition these things, and you say if we ask for wisdom and unity, Lord God, there you will give it, God. We pray for that. Lord, we know that the promises cost you dearly. It costs you your son. And for us, it may cost us our comforts or some of our freedoms or rights um, for the sake of benefiting other people. It may cost us our pride. And Lord, are we willingly willing, willing to lay that down, Father? Father, I think so many of us are saying, yes, Lord, the spirit groans within us, Lord. We want those promises to be realized in our lives, Lord. But Father, where our spirit is willing and our flesh is weak, God, would you please help our unbelief, Lord? We claim these promises as an act of faith, Lord, and ask that the blood of Jesus would cover anything where our feelings have not yet caught up with what we know to be true, that you are able. And we just ask, Lord, that that redemptive blood of Jesus would manifest in our circumstances. Lord, you are the one who loves to take the impossible and make it possible. What seems so irreparable and do miraculous works time and time again, Father. And you demonstrated that by bridging the greatest divide there ever was between you and your creation, Lord, through your son, Jesus. So if we have that picture of redemption, Lord God, then we get to partner with you and be the hands and feet of Christ in this community. I ask, Lord God, that we would be like oaks of righteousness planted in our community, that we would be the hands and feet, the ones that repair city walls, like Isaiah 61 says, that we would be those hands and feet, Father, that we would first and foremost do business with you, Lord, that that would transform our lives personally, but then the evidence and the fruit of that, Lord God, would be seen in and out throughout our community, Lord, in our actions of righteousness and justice that would be seen within our community, within our city, even within our nation, Lord God. And it would cause just this insatiable appetite for who it is that 
executes that justice, that it would act as a catalyst, Father, for the type of redemptive power that we want in our community. And Lord, when that is demonstrated, Lord, those acts, Father, that point people to you, Lord, that you would receive the glory, that we would point others to the Redeemer, not just the redemptive acts, Lord, that you would receive all glory, you would receive all honor, you would receive all praise for what you plan to do in and through us, Father. And may we just be partners with you, cooperate with you, be the conduit of what you ultimately are the essence of and that we desire here in our community. And we pray that boldly, Lord Jesus, in your name. Father, we're mindful of what the Psalms say. Your word to the Messiah was ask and I'll give the nations to you. And Lord, we, we, we live in light of that promise that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's over all nations. And Lord, that's the cry of our hearts. Our desire is that the nations would be drawn to you, to the King, the true King Jesus, the one who has all the authority the one who's the savior, the rescuer, that your name, Jesus, would be lifted up. Lord, that's what we pray. We pray for a mighty, moving spirit, Holy Spirit, moving through our land, moving through our world, moving through our city, that there'd be a surging in our, the midst of South Florida, that you would touch down in every church in South Florida as we are unifying together to lift up the name of Jesus. And we would see people turning away from whatever it is they follow and they worship to follow only the name of Jesus. Would many, would this be a year of favor, a year of harvest, that we would see many come to faith, that we would see you heal our land. Jesus, that's what we want. That's what we pray for. We pray that you would transform South Florida, that we would see that, that that transformation would spill over into our nation and spill over into the other nations around the world. Lord, do that work. And we offer ourselves to you. Do that work in our lives. Do that work in our homes. Do that work in our circumstances. Do that work. May we see you at work, Jesus. Being the king that you are, wielding your authority. We long to see you move. And we lift all this up in your name. Amen. Hey, church, we walk out of here into a new year. No matter what this year holds, we walk out of here in the confidence that God is always faithful no matter what. He's always faithful to his plan and he's faithful to us. Do you believe that, church, that he's always faithful in your life? Do you believe that? He is always faithful. And so we're going to end our time here together. And we are going to declare that in a time of worship, declaring that God is good and he is faithful. Would you stand with me? Let's declare that back up to heaven together. Thanks for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at cityrev.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, you can email us at podcast at cityrev.org.